0: Come, Holy Spirit, come, teach us the word of God, fill us with the love of God, and transform our hearts to know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. In the prayer of the tax collector at the temple, there is something so foundational and so essential to being a Christian and living at a Christian that I want to focus on that primarily today. This is in Luke's Gospel. Luke has been telling us about Jesus' teaching on prayer. So last week, we had a parable about a persistent widow that kept nagging the unjust judge. And in her persistence, she finally got vindication, and Jesus is basically saying, Be Consistent and persevere in prayer because God, your heavenly Father, is not even like this unjust judge, and He will give you what you need and what you want in His own good timing in accordance with His will, which is always good for us. This parable also has to do with prayer, and we might say, Well, it has to do with the fact that we need to pray humbly before God because the comparison is a very self-righteous, inflated prayer by a Pharisee that is completely focused on himself. And not only that, it gets worse. He compares himself to others and puts them down and exalts himself. So this could be about prayer. It could be about humility. But today I want to focus on the fact that we have a relationship with God based on a gift of righteousness that god gives us that we do not earn and cannot earn so this is foundational essential truth so listen carefully let's just go over this Uh, the pharisee was the good guy in the story the people hearing this in jesus's day would have been astounded that a tax collector of all people, a traitor to the children of Israel, always taxing and taking more than he was supposed to, that person goes home justified? No way. The Pharisees wear the good hats. They're the the guys who are the good guys. They're the elite. How can this be true that someone like that? It was scandalous that Jesus would actually say something like this. So we have to know that the Pharisees were considered the super religious people of the day. They were the ones who were close to God. They were the ones who had it all together. We're supposed to look to them about how to do it. We can't do it, but they're the ones who are so great. But what does this Pharisee do? They both come to pray. The Pharisee, in his prayer talks about himself. He says, I thank thee, O oh God, I'm not like these other persons, like these thieves and these, these rabble-rousers who can't keep the law correctly, and even adulterers, or even this tax collector. I'm so much better than they are because, and then he goes on a list of what he does, and he's a super tither. Uh, he tithes not only on his crops, but on All that he owns. So he's doing really, really good. Really good. And what about the tax collector? He is standing off by himself. He is not in the normal posture of prayer at the temple, which would be hands up and eyes elevated. His eyes were down. He was beating his breast which is a sign of repentance and deep anguish. And guess when people beat their breast in Luke's gospel? It was right after Jesus was crucified. And then the prayer of the tax collector is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, He left home set in a right relationship with God and not the Pharisee. Let's look at this a little closer because what the tax collector actually says is not God have mercy on me because there's a Greek word for mercy. The word that he says is this God make atonement for me. Okay, now, what is atonement? Atonement is the sacrifice that makes things right. And in fact, the Pharisee and the tax collector were at the daily sacrifice for the sins of Israel to be forgiven. So they were at an atonement sacrifice service that happened at the temple every single day. And somehow, this tax collector knew that he had no righteousness of his own to come to God. And that his only hope and prayer was that God would make atonement for him. That God would somehow make him right. And that was his only hope and prayer. So he gave it. And guess what? It set him right according to Jesus. Now, Jesus uses this word justify, which is one of the only times that this word is actually on the lips of Jesus. Later, Paul would take this dikios, this righteousness or this justification, and would expound on it. But we have to know that this tax collector said, God, make atonement for me because you're the only one that is able to do it let that sink in and sin for jesus is not primarily a broken external law it is a broken relationship it is the rupture and the breakdown of the relationship and jesus came to bring us back into relationship with god and himself And the kingdom of God. And so this is primarily important for all of us. Luke Timothy Johnson, who's a a great scripture scholar, says, In contrast, the tax agent is utter simplicity and truth. Indeed, he is a sinner. Indeed, he requires God's gift of righteousness because he has none of his own. And because he both needs and recognizes his need for the gift, he is the one who actually receives it. And so I want to go through a couple of points. But before I do that, I want to ask you a question. Is your relationship with God, your status with God, is it based on your own performance Or is it based on the gift of righteousness that God gives us in the cross of his son, Jesus? Now, even for church people who know this when they come in, we forget it. Because we will start to play the game of comparing ourselves with others. And people who start to make any progress in the spiritual life are susceptible to the sin of pride. Because as we begin to worship, as we begin to pray, as we begin to give to Outreach Sunday, we begin to look around and see who's not doing that. And clearly, we must be be doing better than the people that aren't here and, you know, in like an hour, they'll start serving, you know, margaritas at, uh, at brunch. And, you know, we're certainly better than those people, right? And you see, pride just sneaks right in when we begin to focus on ourselves. And so this foundation has to be laid on the front end and all the way through the Christian life. So let's go through the points. The first point is is that we are not righteous because of our own sin. We are simply unrighteous. We may have a different list from other people, but we all have our list. Paul said all of us fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We are all actually under sin." Sin is something that actually lives within us. We can't get rid of it. We have simply an unrighteous status before God. Now, we can fool ourselves and say, you know, I don't rob a bank. I mean, I haven't committed, you know, a big list of sins. And mine certainly aren't that bad. So I'm basically a good person. That's what pe- That's how people talk today. But I just have to let everyone know that is not the gospel. And if you don't accept your unrighteous status before God, I really doubt what type of relationship you'll have with God because the good news starts with the bad news that we are unrighteous people. We have no righteousness to commend to God. And in fact... If we were to compare ourselves not with others, because we'll always find people that we'll stack up better against, won't we? If we compare ourselves to only Christ himself, who is pure love and pure faithfulness, who even dies for his enemies, we will surely fall short. So we're called to accept our great need of righteousness the second point is is that the good news is god is merciful god is loving god wants to give us good things he knows we need him that's the that's the issue the center of life and love and beauty and reality is in god not in us (laughs) we need god but god is merciful to us And God gives us righteousness as a gift and as a grace. He makes it possible for us to have this relationship restored. And it's restored in a sacrificial offering of his son called a sacrifice of atonement. And that's how we receive a gift. In fact, a righteous relationship with God... A right relationship with God has always been a gift from God. And all we have to do is go back to the very beginning with Abraham. Because Abraham, who was old, unable to have any children, believed the promise of God. And God's promise to Abraham is that... You're going to be the father of a multitude. In fact, you're going to be the father of so many stars in the skies, even more kids than that. But he was totally too old to have any kids. But the scripture says that Abraham believed God and his promise and God's ability to make that promise come true, and it was counted for him as righteousness which means that he had a right relationship with God based on his trust in God's promise and God's ability to make that promise come true. And so, as we move forward in our life, we also are made righteous by the gift of the sacrifice of Christ. So, this sacrifice, this offering of himself in love for us is the basis of our gift of righteousness because that's what we need. We need the forgiveness of sins. We need the cleansing. We need also in this new covenant relationship that has been given to us. It's not just an external forgiveness of sins. Guess what? We become one with the Offering Himself. We become one with Christ. We become one with Him. He's in us and we are in Him. So He's actually living in and through us. And what we have to be reminded of is not only that we have the righteousness of God given as a gift in a sacrificial offering, we have the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. To help give us the power to do the good that we know we ought to do. And therefore, any good that we do after our realization that righteousness and our relationship with God is a gift of grace, any good we do after that, who gets the credit? God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So we really never have any room to say, I thank thee, O oh God, I'm not like other people. We can simply quit playing that game of comparison and respond in love and thankfulness and faithfulness to God, who is the giver of this salvation the giver of this relationship the giver of this righteousness who has made us a child of god in a new covenant that we could never create we just enter into it and guess what every sunday we celebrate that sacrifice and that covenant and that relationship as we receive christ in his body and blood In Holy Communion. So we have the new covenant meal because we are children of God in a new covenant. We're in a new covenant with God that's based on grace and love and mercy now because of only one thing because God made it that way. And Christ died in order to create it, in order to cleanse us, in order to heal us, in order to forgive us, and bring us into a relationship that will last forever and we enter into this relationship by grace and we continue by grace every step of the way there's never a moment where we can say I did this myself anything that we do that is good is actually the flowing of the life of God of Christ and the Holy Spirit and is our response of coming alive in God in thankfulness and love and praise. Do you see how critical knowing this is? It saves us from principally two things. It saves us from getting in the performance trap where we're always trying to do a little bit more because we think somehow if, if the good things we do will add up on the scales more than the bad things, then God will do A, B, and C. Whether it's get into heaven or give me a new this or that. And it also saves us from pride, where we begin to think that we're earning things on our own and we're creating a life for ourselves and and, and we're contributing to our status and, and I got here because of my own hard work and of course, there's always hard work and cooperation but friends, wherever we are it's because of the love and the grace and the mercy of God every step of the way your entire life. So, the good news is is that I don't have a righteous status before God. But the better news is, is that I have one and you have one based on a gift, a sacrificial offering of the son and word of God, Jesus, that is given to me as a gift. We receive that and we walk into a new covenant relationship with God. That's based on love and grace and mercy And God knows we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up a lot. But we have to just ask for forgiveness, ask for mercy, ask for empowerment to keep on going. Our part is to simply cooperate by getting back up and moving forward in grace, in love and in mercy. Well, now I could just keep on preaching, but I think it's time that I have to to stop. But... This, my friends, is the difference between performance, religion, and pride, and getting caught up in comparing ourselves to other in order to prop up our status. It is faith and the Christian faith versus all these other things. Let go of those other human games that have been played from the very beginning of time and come to know... The fact that you're a beloved child of God and a new covenant relationship of love and grace and mercy based on only one thing that God.